We've had an unprecedented series of messages here in the church. So far in the last couple of months, we've had three Wednesday night prayer meetings and the last two adult Sunday school classes dedicated to the subject of aborticide. The word aborticide, I believe, is a far more profound word because abortion is basically a a platform. Aborticide is a flat-out title of murder. We've had a lot of statistics. We've had a lot of quotes. We've had an immense amount of Bible verses. Today we're going to go over a few things that we've been talking about because there are some that have not heard this yet. And this is the conclusion of basically a six-part series. Correspondence is very much appreciated this morning with what you've heard in the news the last couple of weeks. I think we need to keep updated. I personally believe we need to name names and there needs to be reproof and rebuke for this horrible atrocity. So we start with Scripture. We've read many verses and we're going to start with Job chapter 10 verses 8 through 12 and that's going to be one of our texts this morning. It's not a primary text. It's one that goes in with a lot of texts that back up what the Lord, our precious Savior, our Lord, believes about aborticide. Job chapter 10, verse 8, we read, Thine hands have made me and fashioned me together round about, yet thou dost destroy me. Remember, I beseech thee that thou hast made me as the clay, and wilt thou bring me into dust again? Hast thou not poured me out as milk and curdled me like cheese? Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh, and hast fenced me with bones and sinews. Thou hast granted me life and favor, and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. So right there, it's another verse that confirms, without a a shadow of a doubt, the children are an inheritance of the Lord, and it is the Lord's decision whether to destroy or to create. That is up to Him. That is not up to mankind. We've been looking at the components of abortion, and I'd like to go back and I would like to read where there are so many ideas and there's so many ways we can go back to, but I believe going back to Exodus chapter 1, I want to read that again, and I want to read about the midwives because it's been weeks when we started since we've read that, but there's a very important application here regarding, I believe, what the biggest problem that we have in this country, and what has been a horrible, horrible um, pathway to one of the worst atrocities we've ever seen. So if we go back to Exodus chapter 1, let's read verses 19 to 25, and then we're going to look at a specific application. And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hands of the shepherds, and also drew water enough for us, and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, and where is he? Why? No, I'm wrong. I'm in Exodus 2. Let me go back to Exodus 1 now. I'm sorry. In verse 17, 16, and he said, when ye do the office of a midwife, this is Pharaoh, to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him, but if it be a daughter, then she shall live. There's that word. But. The midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have ye done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. 
Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass because the midwives feared God that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast in the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. So here's the question. When is it time to stand up and to defy the local government? Well, today it's almost on every issue. What do they do that's any good today? What? You see the LGBTQ thing? The Planned Parenthood? All hand in hand. They're all holding hands together. Right now, one state, and I'm not, I think it's Michigan, one state has already passed the bill for infanticide. They now will abort babies 28 days after birth. And can you imagine how many thousands of them are going to be on the, basically on the scaffold just to prove a point? Maryland is very, very close to passing it. How wicked, that's how wicked Maryland is. An infanticide bill. If aborticide's not horrible enough, it's all terrible. Lisa. Right. You brought up something right there is very important because there have been several states that have passed the law that if a child is left in a car and it's hot out, and they die of exhaustion, whatever, there's a law now that, that, can, that, that can prosecute the parents, and it's a pretty stiff law. So they're not allowed to do that. Why is this allowed? Well, the, the key point here, and that's a good point, the key point here that I'm talking about, the, very, the most courageous people, I believe, one of the most courageous bands of people were these precious little midwives here in Exodus chapter 1. The Lord built them houses. Why? We just read. Why did He build them houses? Why? That's it. Amen. They feared the Lord. You go back in Scripture. I was listening to a really wonderful message about the Great Commission yesterday called They Worshipped Him. And, I, and a, good, a, a, a real good part of that message was a dedication to the fact that in Scripture, whenever God's presence was known and it was felt or it was seen, people were on their faces on the ground because they feared the Lord. They feared His presence. And it's incredible how the reverence for God in Scripture. Pastor. Amen. Right. Right. Well, where where did we just see that in government, Lisey? 
Right. Right. And the right. Right. It's it's yeah. It it takes one out of their comfort zone. Where they're what makes someone uncomfortable in a situation like that? Sacrifices. As Christians, we are called to make sacrifices for the Lord. So, what was the edict that was sent out across America in the end of March, twenty twenty? that was the wrong edict? What was the one that was given and it, and, and it, and it fell like a... That was the real pandemic. What was, what was it? Lisa. Close your churches. What right does a government have to tell a church and sit in on their session without even showing up and tell them, their elders and their pastors and their presbytery, we are trumping your church government and you are to shut the doors in your church. What right do they have to do that? That never was allowed and it was protected under the provisions that Thomas Jefferson laid out in 1765 in the Constitution. Pastor. Right. It's an emergency. That's right. That's right. We are, we are guaranteed life and liberty in the pursuit of happiness. They had no right to shut the churches, and probably 95% of them caved into their governors instead of listening to the Lord. That was wrong. Matthew and then Lisa, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. Amen. Right. Right. Amen. And we're building a case with this because this applies to abortion. That's a very good statement, Lisa. Right. Right. Amen. That's right. There's no fear of the Lord. Right? Autonomous, right. That's it. That's all the same, yeah. Right. 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 
small. Right. 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 That's right. And today there's been great sacrifices over the centuries or the decades, especially in this country, to preserve our Constitution. But the question is where has been the safest place in the community down through the ages? Whenever there were hurricanes, tornadoes, tuberculosis, malaria, any, anything, you to, anything you can imagine, the haven, the safe haven for people has always been the church. You've seen in the hurricanes down when we had down in, well, down in New Orleans and all these all the horrible events happened, they opened up the churches and they have fellowship halls and people were literally staying there so they had food and they have protection. And so basically, you, you look at that, the church has always been the safe haven. And we, no matter what the problem is, can we depend on the Lord to take care of a pandemic? Can we depend on the Lord as our families that if a child is quote-unquote unwanted, that the Lord can take care of that child? Can't we give the Lord enough credit there and fear Him enough to know that His creation, He can take care of that? Matthew. Sure. Right. It's always been a refuge. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength. And so basically the government says, shut your church doors down. We'll take care of you. Oh, they did a wonderful job, didn't they? They were, the government was the absolute fiend behind destroying many people with, with all kinds of, all kinds of, uh, conventional means of taking care of this and hurt a lot of people. The church is one foundation, is Jesus Christ our Lord. How can we shut the church when He is the church and it's not ours? Right? Lisey. Right. I'm right. Most of them are still doing still worshiping online with Zoom. That's not worship. You can do that any day of the week, watching commercials, watching TV, you can turn on whatever. But the Lord says, Enter ye into His gates with praise in Psalm 100 and into His sanctuary. Okay, so we see how it's so important to fear the Lord. It's the beginning of knowledge. I want to read, because we read part of this a few weeks ago, but this is a pastor who the Lord called home a couple years ago. His name's Pastor Robert McCurry, and he believes this is one of the problems. And he had a really good, a really good little editorial on what the problem is here. He said, Christianity of old quenched the flames of oppression, lit the fires of freedom, and led two continents out of the darkness of paganism. Today's Christianity is known for bingo games, softball leagues, and milk toast preachers. Christianity of old toppled the Roman Empire. Today's Christianity cannot even rid the nation of legal abortion. I'm going to read that last part again. Today's Christianity cannot even rid the nation of legal abortion. Christianity of old toppled the Roman Empire. He can't even save a baby's life now. Milk toast. He calls them fluffy, passive. 
Matthew. Yes. Where was that pastor, Dave, you told us a few weeks ago? That pastor, Dan, where was, where was he that he's a pro-choice pastor? Georgia. Senator. He's a shepherd, a senator, and he's pro-choice. Yes. Right. And then, and then the quote was, all abortion, they said that all abortion is wrong. That was the quote. That that's, can you, exactly. So if you have, you were able to articulate your thoughts as a little fetus upon conception, and you were asked, would you want that pastor in Georgia to be your shepherd? What would they say? He goes on to say, most Americans are okay with murders of 4,000 plus children per day by legally protected intentional abortion so long as the walls are thick enough to muffle the screens and high enough to hide the carnage. Int- intentional abortion is aborticide in the killing of an unborn child. The wickedness of the sin of legally protected intentional abortion is a national plague, scourge, and abomination. The problem will not be solved until there is recognition, confession, and repentance of the vile, abhorred sin of legally protected international abortion. And right now, one of the first laws that Biden, I don't call him president, illegitimate Biden, passed was to internationally fund abortion with taxpayers of America's money. Every U.S. president that has supported legal protected international abortion, every state legislator and every congressman and senator that ever voted for legally protected intentional abortion, every state, federal, and Supreme Court judge that ruled favorably for legally protected intentional abortion, every bureaucrat that administered the legally protected intentional abortion program, every pastor that is passive and silent and fails to preach, thus saith the Lord, regarding the sin of legally protected intentional abortion, every Christian that has been passive and silent and failed to be involved in saving children from legally protected intentional abortion, and every Christian that has paid for legally protected intentional abortion via taxes must repent. That's what he said. And this was right before he died. Not, not long before he died. Pastor Robert McCurry. So I think that gives us a really good pathway and a really good understanding of what the truth really is and, and, and to stop sitting on the fence. We need, to, we need to make our call an election sure and we need to know exactly. So who is responsible for the abortion? Who is responsible? The doctor, the assisting nurses, parents, hospital, government, those who funded it, voters, health insurance companies that fund it, the courts who do nothing, the state and federal officials who forbear to deliver those that are ready to be slain, the president and all his followers. They, what today we see that how animals are worshipped, trees are worshipped, bugs are worshipped, minnows are worshipped. They, they closed down the whole Napa Valley because of a minnow, and those men lost their businesses. Under the under the uh, the abomination, Mother Earth, and have the gall to enter the womb and take a life. They have the gall to do that. They'll protect all these things, but they have the gall to take the life of a baby. Blatant blasphemy of God's intimate relationship with His creation at the highest level. That's what this is, and this is the catalyst of the decline of a society and the decline of a nation. This is what brings down nations. And those midwives feared the Lord, didn't they? And look what the Lord did. 
God's overruling grace redeems murdered infants. The mother is redeemed by the blood of Christ and is forgiven. Can a woman that has an abortion, can she be forgiven? Of course. Of course. Galatians 3.13 says, God, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, and he is the one that washes away all of our sins. So there is, yes, there's absolute repentance. What are some of the components we've been discussing on Wednesday night? What are the components? Why would anyone allow such an atrocity, this horror? What are some of the excuses? We could see them in the last couple of weeks. Read quotes. Listen to the news. What are some of the reasons? Anybody? Yes. Mother's health. That's right. Incest. Those are some of the reasons. Lisa? That's one of the points. That's a big one. Defective. Who has the authority and who has the ability to take on the authority to declare a child defective? Who? Well, we talked about this Wednesday and we had left off with this the last Sunday school class. The child may be defective. Well, if we're going to be pretty honest, we are all defective in our own little degrees. It just comes down to a matter of degree. A child is destroyed by some heartless so-called doctor because the parents received the results of a less than accurate test that the baby could maybe have a birth defect. Amniocentesis is the test. The baby could be, have Down syndrome. A, a friend of mine I talked to him a few weeks ago said that his brother, they found out in that, in that test that their, son might, their baby might be paralyzed. He said he wanted to abort the baby, and my friend said they would adopt the baby. He went on to have the baby, and the baby was perfect. Never had a problem. And even if it wasn't, so what? You're going to murder the baby? That baby needs to be executed? Lisa. Right. Amen. Mm. The Lord knows. That's incredible. And how many children have gone under the knife because of what could be emergency situations? Once again, emergency. You know. Well, what is our answer as Christians? We're going to look at some other the. Components. I would like to not bring up all the horror without giving hope. 1 Corinthians 6.19, Paul asked the question, the first one word with a question mark, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Oh, we'll read verse 20 in a second. But there are signs on people's front yard. I saw them coming in here this morning. We must have a choice. You're not your own. So who's right? 
We must have a choice because it's our body. Oh, it is? No more than the turkey is part of the oven is the baby part of the woman's body. There is no difference. That baby has a separate DNA, has a completely separate, complete person that the Lord has created. And that womb is supposed to be the safest place on earth. Paul goes on to say, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Mm -hmm. Teresa. Right. It's over there. Right. You know, it's not like straight to That is a brilliant statement. And you know what? That opens up a Pandora's box on really what they're leaving out. Look at all the atrocities and the critical race theory and all the things they've come up with since 2020, and they've done everything to get a camera on the atrocities of what's happening. The George Floyd thing. They did all but show the look on his face when, they were, when that man was being held down. They've shown the components, the details, the names, and the faces of those they wanted to come against on the riots down in Baltimore, the Freddie Gray thing in 2015. They showed all that. I don't agree with any of that. That was horrible what happened. They've showed all kinds of rioting, burning down churches. They go across the pond and they show in other areas the rioting in France. And they're all trying to make a statement on how we need to lock down society so we can stop the riots. But never one time had they ever put a window on CNN into the womb of a woman during a live abortion. Not one time have they shown a saline abortion or when they go in and they cut that baby to pieces. They will not put that out there. No, they were, that, they were life essential. When, when the church was declared non-life essential in March of 2020, they were allowed to stay open. Lisey. That's right. They cry peace, peace, but there is no peace, is there? That's a great point. Lisa. Right. 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 Millions of women beyond that that just they're suffering long term life long term, you know, um, injuries that they'll never recover from. And usually 
Right. Right. Okay. I know that you, you know, if you're the Finland coming out of the magazine many, many years ago, under the Bush administration, they stopped people, parents, from being able to sue these pharmaceutical companies for, for um, injuries. Right. Mm. That right. And they pushed it through. Mm. So you have any damages, I don't care if it's by days, by months, by years, 50 years, you cannot go back and you cannot, you will not have any recourse to sue any of these pharmaceutical mm. companies for, your, for their wrongdoing to you as a human being. And they can do whatever they want. And, it, and, it, and it's all about, you know, all of this is protecting money. Right. It's a multi-billion dollar organization. Yeah. And the, the, the next step, you bring up a good point because there's a next step. If the baby doesn't get aborted, then what happens to the children? Do you think it stops if the baby makes it out of the womb with these people and the children are okay from there? You can't even, if you get a vaccine from the so-called pandemic and it shuts your body down, you have no recourse against your practitioner at all. You have not, 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 no leg to stand on if you have any problems. Lisa. Well, dude, sorry, Matthew had his hand up for a little bit there, but that, that's a great point. I'm going to read something. It goes beyond what you're saying. And this, wait till you hear this. Matthew. When it comes down to it, it's the love of money is the root of all people. That is why they allow LGBTQ, abortion, BLM, and all that. It makes money because they make money off of it. Oh, it's a machine. They make money off of it. 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 Right. Well, that's a good point. And here, when it comes to the children, this is the next step. This just came out. Pastor Coleman sent this to me about four days ago. This is the next step. Talk about making money on it. Disney debuts new LGBTQ pride children's collection. As corporate America readies rainbow filters for company logos for Pride Month in June... Disney launched a new LBGTQ pride collection of merchandise aimed at children. From rainbow backpacks and pins to children's t-shirts and tumblers with a reusable straws, 
Disney's new collection has it all for the child who likes Marvel, Mickey, or Star Wars, but wants to be an LGBTQ ally. For the family with four-legged furry children, Disney has rainbow-colored pet collars and leashes. The Disney Pride Collection was created by LGBTQIA. Well, I guess when they get done with this, they're going to have about 40 acronyms for this thing. And employees and allies at the Walt Disney Company and as a reflection of their incredible contributions and place at the heart of the company, the company said on its website, we stand in solidarity with our LGBTQIA and community everywhere. The Walt Disney Company will be donating all of our profits from the Disney Pride Collection sales now through June 30th, 2022 to organizations that support LGBTQIA and youth and families. The company continued, this includes sales of Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars Pride Collection merchandise. Merchandise. In the United States, profits from the sales of items in the collection will be donated to Ally Forney Center, GLSEN, I have no idea what that stands for, LGBTQ Center, OC, Los Angeles LGBTQ Center, PF Flag National SF LGBT Center, the Trevor Project, and Zebra Coalition. The various organizations, the profits will be donated to offer support for LGBTQ children and advocate for gender-affirming education in schools. Disney also lists organizations it will be donating to in Europe, Latin America, Asia, and the South Pacific. This is the next step. And basically, it's there. And there's a, a little governor down there trying to fight just to keep this filth from three to five-year-olds out of kindergarten. And they're fighting him tooth and nail on it. Well, how radical is Barack Obama? How radical is Barack Obama? Here's a statement from Minnesota Citizens Concerned for Life in 19, that started in 1968. Here's a short list of his positions. When he became, he's the Messiah, right? People think, say he's the Messiah. Did the Messiah go around murdering children? Christ said, suffer the little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. This is their Messiah. Abortion on demand at every stage of pregnancy. This is while he was on the Senate floor out in Illinois. Taxpayer funding of all abortions. Taxpayer funding of abortions overseas. Partial birth abortions. Transporting minor girls across state lines to obtain secret abortions. Circumventing home state parental involvement laws. Infanticide of newborn babies who survive late-term abortions. Four times he vetoed that bill. The freedom of choice. He, he, he was, he was a, a real proponent and a real founder of the FOCA, the Freedom of Choice Act, invalidating existing state and federal restrictions on abortion. Nomination of only judicial candidates who support Roe versus Wade and court-mandated policies of limited abortion. That worked pretty well so far. Human cloning, providing that all resulting human clones are subsequently killed and harvested for their useful parts. As a United States Senator, Barack Obama co-sponsored the Freedom of Choice Act, even saying that the first thing I'd do as president is sign FOCA into law. The bill would nullify virtually all federal and state limitations on abortion, including the types now permitted by the Supreme Court, such as parental notification laws and waiting periods. It would also make partial birth abortion legal again, and it would overturn bans on abortion funding. And that means again and again and again and again. 
While in the Illinois State Senate, Obama voted against legislation that prohibited taxpayer dollars from being used to pay for abortion, his campaign stated that he does not support the Hyde Amendment, which prohibits taxpayer funding of abortion through the Medicaid program. As president, one promise he has kept is to support legalized abortion on demand, including taxpayer funding thereof, thereof both in the United States and internationally. And the reason I say that is so many times have these guys turned. There are absolute quotes from Joe Biden going back into the 70s where he said he was totally against abortion. He totally turned on it. So this is, the, this is the epidemic we're up against now. This passed in the last three days. Governor Whitmer out there, she's on the cusp. She is right on the edge of, of, of putting into effect down in Michigan a law that would never, there would never be ever a banning on abortion ever in Michigan. Remember Jesus' reply regarding the children. Luke 18, 15, And they brought unto him also infants, that he would touch them. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked him. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Suffer little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. They even brought infants to him. He loved them. Here's some other verses. Amazing how God intimately knows he's at each and every one of us. We are not just red dots on a population map. He has formed the spirit of man in him. When? Look at the reaction of John the Baptist when Elizabeth heard the great news from Mary. When does life start? And I think this is a really, really good uh, series of verses to understand that. Luke 1.41, And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. That little baby leaped in the womb. That's my prayer. Whenever I hear someone is carrying a child, I always pray. I pray that they would be like John the Baptist, leaping in the womb for joy in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That's right. Right. That's a good question. Well, we can see that there are mandates that we have been given to learn from. If you go to the larger catechism, here's a question and answer. And we're getting down to the wire here. We'll be finishing here in a couple minutes. What are the sins forbidden in the Sixth Commandment? What is the Sixth Commandment? And what verse is it in the Scripture? Right. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. What are the sins forbidden in the Sixth Commandment? That's the question in our larger catechism in the Westminster Confession. The sins forbidden in the Sixth Commandment are all taking away the life of ourselves or of others except in case of public justice, lawful war, or necessary defense, the neglecting or withdrawing the lawful and necessary means of preservation of life, sinful anger, hatred, envy, the desire of revenge, all excessive passions, distracting cares, immoderate use of meat, drink, labor, and recreations, provoking words, oppression, quarreling, striking, wounding, and whatsoever else tends to the destruction of life of any. 
And for those of you who weren't here last week, I do want to read this. I think you'll find this very interesting. And let me see if I can find it. I hope I can find this because I think this is, this is fascinating here. These are two institutions that I want to remind you of that actually, if you have the question of whether the word abortion actually ever really popped up or the, the platform of it many, many centuries ago, here once again is a quote where abortion is specifically mentioned in the famous oath of Hippocrates, which reads as follows, I swear by Apollo physician, by Asclepius, by health, by Panacea, and by all the gods and goddesses, making them my witness, that I will carry out according to my ability and judgment this oath and this indenture. I will use treatment to help the sick according to my ability and judgment, but never with a view to injury and wrongdoing. Neither will I administer a poison to anybody when asked to do so, nor will I suggest such a course. Similarly, I will not give to a woman a pessary to cause abortion. That's the Hippocratic Oath. And we talked about the Didache last week, which was in the first century from the apostles. It was an extension of kind of a confession about them. And here's what it says. The Jews did not sanction abortion. Well, this is kind of a little opening, but here's some of the words that, were, that are said in it. The Jews did not sanction abortion. Likewise, the early Christian community was unambiguous on the question. The earliest explicit inferences to abortion in Christian literature are found in the Didache and the Epistle of Barnabas. The Didache was a manual of church discipline and a code book for Christian morality. It was called a summary of the teaching of the apostles. It probably was written at the beginning of the second century. The Didache contrasts two ways of, or styles of living. One is called the way of life and the other is called the way of death. In the second commandment of the teaching, we read this exhortation, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not corrupt boys, do not fornicate, do not steal, do not practice magic, do not go in for sorcery, do not murder a child by abortion or kill a newborn infant. Do not do it under any circumstances. And that's our stance as Christians. There's, there's no concessions for the murder of an innocent unborn baby at all. There are none whatsoever. And a couple more verses, and then we'll stop here. That I wanted to read. Let's see, it's in my other, in some of my other notes here. If we can remember, I think this is good for us to remember these. We see in Exodus chapter 21, verses 22 to 24. Can someone look that up and read that? Exodus 21, 22 to 24. right. Amen. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, keep going. Mm. 
Amen. And you know what the Lord gives us? Thank you, Teresa. He gives us so many wonderful verses to encourage other people. There's a young man that I just met in the business, and he was in the middle of doing some work with me, and he said he had to stop because his wife was, I had no idea that she was due any day last week. And uh, she was having a little boy. She had the little boy safely. And basically, you know, in a situation like that in business, a guy will just kind of, somebody will write back and just say, good, that's good, oh, well, we'll talk to you when it gets back. Well, you know, I wrote him this, and I, wanted, I want you to hear his uh, response. I don't know if he has any knowledge about the Lord at all, but I wrote this to him, and, it's, and, I, and it said, this is from my wife and I to you. When we had our kids years ago, this was always an encouragement to us. This is a quote from God's Word, Psalm 127.3. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. And the response was, thank you so much with a thumbs up. Doesn't that sound uplifting to hear that from the words of the Lord? Their inheritance of the Lord, children are. We're to protect them, we're to love them, we're to teach them and encourage them. We're not to tear them down and to kill them and to teach them horrible things. So I hope the Lord's blessed you through this, and I know He's blessed me, and there's a lot more we could say, but you know, I think six, six classes I think have been good, so who knows, we'll probably go through this again one day. But let's finish and get prepared for the worship service. I'd like to ask of Pastor Olson if you could close us this morning.